KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Jade Hindman. Shakespeare takes the stage once again at the Old Globe. And this summer, you'll find a pair of romantic comedies at the outdoor venue. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando speaks with directors Kathleen Marshall and James Vasquez about Shakespeare and his ideas about love. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. I want to welcome you both. You will be directing some Shakespeare this summer at the Old Globe Theater. And this is something I have been enjoying since I was six years old and my dad brought me to the theater. So before we start talking specifically about your plays, I did want to ask you, you know, I have a hard time getting people to watch movies from the 1930s. So how do you kind of tackle a playwright who's been dead for more than 400 years and, you know, try to make him relevant or just try to be able to attract people to come see his work. And Kathleen, you want to start? Well, I think what's remarkable is for these plays that are hundreds of years old, how relevant they still are, because, you know, they're they're about the human condition. And I think that that in Shakespeare's plays, whether they're the comedies or the romances or the tragedies, uh, they may be people sort of a, behaving in extreme ways, but it's all recognizable. It's all understandable. People sort of falling in love or being jealous or desiring something or someone and or dealing with loss or dealing with pain or trying to find their joy. They're all real sort of human characters experiencing life in a way that's recognizable to any audience. And James? Yeah, you know, just to add on to that, I agree. I think that's a, exactly right. And with the the relevance of these stories that is always there, I, I think it offers opportunity for us as storytellers to jump in with contemporary and fun new approaches to how to tell these stories, which sparks interest in our audience in coming back to see these stories that they may know or may have seen previously. So I think that's what's great about Shakespeare is, again, it is about the the human experience that we all know and can relate to and we can futz with and have some fun with. And you will both be directing comedies this summer. And Shakespeare's comedies deal with the human condition, but in a way that kind of makes us look at our own foibles and, and vulnerabilities in quite amusing ways. So to start off, Kathleen, tell us a little bit about your production of Twelfth Night. I'm so honored to be directing Twelfth Night at the Old Globe because it's one of my favorite Shakespeare plays. And I've said to our company, you know, we have this responsibility to deliver a sort of delightful and hopefully fresh production of Twelfth Night for people who know and love the play. But then we also have to believe that perhaps in every audience, there are people who have never seen the play before. And we want to introduce it to them and serve it up in a way that, that really sort of honors this great comedy. And one of the things that I've really been realized as we've sort of delved into it is that all of these characters are sort of flawed in one way or another. All of these characters are sort of 
feeling some sense of loss. Uh, we have two characters who are literally lost in a shipwreck and other characters who are sort of have, have something missing in their lives, some void that they're trying to fill. And so even though it, it hopefully it, it becomes, they fill it with sort of joy and romance and attraction and mischief, but they, it all comes from a place of sort of, of, of grief or loss or sadness. And so it's really, a, even though it's a great, Shakespeare comedy, it it has this depth to it. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's such a perennial favorite. And James, you will be tackling The Merry Wives of Windsor, which has a very famous Shakespearean character in Falstaff. So tell us a little bit about your production and kind of how you're tackling this comedy. I, I can't believe I'm getting to do it, first of all. But, you know, we're setting it in the 1950s, riffing off of the sitcom world of the 1950s, really inspired by Lucy and Ethel. And I think what's fun about it is the men have a lot of power in this story or think they do and the women step up and sort of take control and i think setting it in the 50s at a time when the women's job so they said was to to keep the house fresh and clean and moving to flip that on its head a little bit and to give the women some power and to control the story with this infamous character of falstaff it's an opportunity for audiences to come out this summer and laugh. And the world right now, the world always needs laughter. The world right now especially needs some laughter. And I think we can uh, use the reminder um, to laugh at ourselves a little bit. And I think that's something that Merry Wives really celebrates is learning to laugh at ourselves and be silly. So I don't want to talk about Shakespeare in love, but I want to talk a little bit about Shakespeare and love. So these plays kind of have very different ways of presenting the idea of love. And Twelfth Night famously has the line, if music be the food of love, play on. So Kathleen, what do you see as kind of Shakespeare's view on love within the context of Twelfth Night? I think what, what we're sort of exploring in, in Twelfth Night is the idea of attraction and the idea that infatuation can lead to attraction, can lead to desire, and that may come in, in an unexpected way. It's not always something that, that you can plan. You know, Orsino has been trying to woo Olivia for months and she rejects him and he can't understand why. And she can't understand why he's pursuing her. And yet they both find attraction and desire in an unexpected place. It's part of sort of saying that you know you love love may come in an unexpected way and that when it does just embrace it and how wonderful that you have that in your life and james in merry wives of windsor we have falstaff wanting to woo two women for financial gain or anything but like what love really is about so how do you see shakespeare kind of tackling that theme within that context yeah, yeah. You know, even beyond Falstaff, there is the Falstaff is absolutely wooing the two merry wives for financial gain, as you mentioned. But even with the daughter of Anne Page, who has three suitors, Mr. Page is trying to hook her up with one suitor. Mrs. Page is trying to hook her up with the other suitor. But her heart 
really goes with young Mr. Fenton. I like to take away the idea of true love with Merry Wives, that he's playing with the idea that love is often, we're often put in these situations for status. We're often put in these situations for financial gain, whatever we get into these relationships for. But ultimately, what wins in Merry Wives is true love. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. And the women in both of these plays seem to know more than the men in terms of what love is and kind of how to navigate through it. So can you comment on that in terms of the characters that you are each dealing with? I like to think that the women are usually smarter in general. (laughs) Again, in Merry Wives, at the top of the show, the wives have very much been positioned into a situation where they're at home. And so they have a lot of opportunity to observe. And I think that is what gives them the heads up in this story is that they're well aware of all of the oafishness happening around the town around them and actually take the time to sit and have the conversations to discuss it rather than just reacting like the men do. We see the men in Merry Wives just hear a piece of information and jump into crazy maniacal action. And we watch the women go off into a corner, have a conversation, and figure out how to deal with it rationally and intelligently. And who ends up most successful in the end? (laughs) The women. That's great. Uh, Well, I think in, in Twelfth Night, you have this sort of interesting concept that the main character, Viola, who is sort of the character who is the spine of the story and who sort of interacts the most with the most other uh, the other characters that she is going through her, her experiences of play disguised as a man and 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 affects everybody in such as in in such unique and individual ways and they don't know necessarily why they're being affected by this person but they are and i think it's the fact that she sort of is both genders at the same time she has her own insight and perception and emotions and ideas. But because she is presenting as a man to people, they listen to her differently and she interacts with them differently. And so I think it's it's interesting. And, and of course, in Shakespeare's day, that would have been a man playing a woman dressed as a man. So I think it's just it's very sort of interesting that there's gender fluidity in Twelfth Night that's interesting to explore. And James mentioned that he is setting his Merry Wives in kind of the sitcom 1950s setting. You did a fabulous Much Ado About Nothing at the Globe. And I'm wondering what we can expect from the setting in this one. Um, We're sort of in it. We're in Illyria, which is a sort of, you know, fictional country. Um, But we're sort of setting it in Regency era. For me, that is because I I sort of feel like that is an era. It's a very romantic era. Uh, It's the beginning of sort of romantic uh, music and poetry and literature and art. And so I sort of like that we're, we're in an era that sort of has gone through an intellectual enlightenment era and is now opening up into something that is sort of romantic and exploring feelings and exploring, you know, your interior life. In directing these plays, do you find any particular challenge in trying to make Shakespeare's language 
more accessible to people? I know a lot of people like hear Shakespeare and they just kind of have this like, oh, I don't know if, you know, I can go and understand it. But, you know, it's such beautiful language. And if you actually hear it out loud, I feel like it makes so much more sense than reading it on the written page. But I'm just curious how you approach this and like, are there any particular challenges or rewards of working with this kind of language? I, I always say to our, our company that, you know, their, their first job is to make sense of the language for them so they can make sense of the language to an audience. And of course, we're not going to understand every word, every reference in, in Shakespeare. And I think it's up to us as the creators to sort of through how the actors are presenting the text, the physical world that we're presenting, gestures and blocking to get the sense of it. And so that's, you know, that that's our, our challenge and our job is to sort of get across the, the meaning of what the scene is about and what's happening between these characters, even if we can't literally understand every word. I feel like I'm getting off the hook a little bit easy in the sense that, you know, Mary Wives is is written in prose. So it's it's a little messier in the the language of it and a little more naturally accessible. Not to say we don't have beautiful moments of verse. You know, when we do land in the love moments, when we do land in the really beautiful heightened moments, he does break into verse at that point. But I think it's so it's so beautifully pointed and clear when he does that it is um our ear is ready for it it's almost like music it's almost like a musical number has begun yeah i was actually just telling our company that anybody who has a couplet that ends a scene that we have to sort of serve it up like it is the end of a musical number like it's the button of the musical number i mean it's it's shakespeare sort of writes these beautiful couplets that sort of are like ta-da and uh and that's the end of the scene and we have to you have to sort of deliver that with that little extra burst of energy and attack. And for both of you, what do you feel is the importance of keeping Shakespeare's plays alive for audiences and having them performed on stage? I think it's amazing how Shakespeare's characters, language, phrases, how much they permeate our world and our, you know, literature and plays and cultural references that we all are touchstones for us for hundreds and hundreds of years. We sort of don't even realize how much Shakespeare's language, characters, phrases, famous quotes, situations, how how much they permeate our entire cultural landscape and that it's it's so important for new audiences to sort of have that reference of where it came from. I mean, you you look at films and when you really stop and look at some of those teenage comedies out there, it is comedy of errors. It's two gentlemen of Verona. So it's as you were saying, you know, to know where the, that or, those origins come from and that human nature, boy, we just repeat ourselves, don't we? Yeah, I mean, he, this you know, we're saying that these are sort of the original romantic comedies and every movie or TV show where you have two people who sort of rub each other the wrong way and bicker and sort of then tumble their way into romance. That's what happens to uh, Viola and Cesario. That's what happens to, that's Beatrice and Benedict. That's you know, all of these, that, that sort of classic thing of they, you know, it's it down to Hepburn and Tracy and, and Sam and Diane on Cheers. It's like, it's, it's, it's all it originates from these romantic comedies that Shakespeare wrote. 
That was Beth Accomando speaking with Kathleen Marshall and James Vasquez. Opening night for Twelfth Night is this Saturday, and it runs through July 9th. Merry Wives of Windsor opens July 30th. Both plays are at the Outdoor Lowell Davies Theater. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places.